looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Morning, everyone. Yes, Pass the Post for Archer Park, Sunday, August 15th. Got a strange request before the show starts. The show today has to be called Second Pass the Post because the Archer Park team went to Sunshine Coast last Sunday for a big kill on a first starter. Second. They tipped in big on Pepe Le Few yesterday. Second. And then 20 minutes later, so we got all the money back at the Gold Coast on Smooth Move. Second as well. So second pass the post today. A man who has often been second pass the post is Ben Dorries. How are you? Yes. We uh, all have, haven't we? <laughs> we all have. Very good to be in here after a lockdown for a good while. I've uh, sort of been operating on the phone, but great to be in the studio with you this morning. Group racing in three states yesterday, and these are good days because the, the even though it's not officially spring, we're starting to get into it. We're seeing a lot of horses resuming from spells, and we're seeing have they come on, have they gone backwards, have they stayed the same? So it is an exciting time. Yeah, and I just love watching uh, those new three-year-olds. I mean, mm. some of them uh, just don't come back, do they? And others do. I mean, Tiger and Malay yesterday was a good example of one that clearly has. Uh, some great spring pointers and a bit of drama in Adelaide with that protest. I've never seen a protest that was probably shorter odds to be upheld than that. 100%. So we'll go in the order of Caulfield, Morfordville, Kembla Grange, and then we'll have a look at Eagle Farm yesterday. But Caulfield first up, the feature was the Peter Lawrence Stakes at Group 2 level. Streets of Avalon, he loves the track and trip, and as such, he was the $3.70 favourite. Streets of Avalon approaching the turn just in front of Arcademus at the 400 then do you reckon our deeper red can man and Sierra Sue from Best of Days who runs up behind that leading wall. Samson's trying to bullock into the clear then Angel of Truth and Superstorm at Streets of Avalon with red can man at the 200 Sierra Sue now moving up boldly. Red can man and Sierra Sue. Sierra Sue gets a neck in front of red can man then Best of Days Superstorm but Sierra Sue pulls clear. Sierra Sierra Sue won it. Second a photo between Angel of Truth and Red Can Man. Superstorm there for fourth with Best of Days. Then Archidemus Nonconformist. Streets of Avalon got tired, do you reckon? And Samson well back. The Darcy Brahma five-year-old Miss Sierra Sue winning the Group 2 Peter Lawrence. If your honour was a good watch, uh, always in clear air in the middle of the field. Then Alan pulled out, John Allen pulled out three wide down the side, launched the claim and got the money as an $8 chance. Yeah, Natalie Young, uh, who brought this girl up to Queensland for the Winter Carnival, just kept telling me, kept telling me, kept telling me this uh, mare's turned the corner. Uh, pretty much I went back to her every start, apart from the last two, where she, she won the Mildura Cup and then came out and pretty much blew them away in the Lawrence, really. Like, and, yeah, do you reckon I had a cent on? No. Right. Of course. Nothing. They, uh, they took the blinkers off in the Mildura Cup. It was impressive. It was a $100,000 race and... You know, certainly not totally discarded the market yesterday at $8, but um, Queensland was, was, was disappointing, wasn't it? Three goes, all at Eagle Farm, but uh, no results. Yeah, I mean, the Eagle Farm factor could be interesting there, but I think um, just giving this mayor a bit of confidence back, going to that Mildura uh, Cup, which was a which was an interesting target. I mean, I didn't think she'd bob up in the Mildura Cup, but maybe just the win she needed just to get a bit of confidence back and really went on with it yesterday. Well, let's find out more about it because Natalie Young's joining us. Natalie, good morning, and... I suppose it was a bit of a reset. You went to Mildura, so you went to the country. I think you took the blinkers off and you got the result. Then you got the result again yesterday. Yeah, she's really uh, she's really hit her straps. Um, like after that run at Flemington where she ran fourth, she kind of just peaked on her run, I think, sort of 50 out. Um, probably just a little bit too well sort of up, up in Queensland. And, um, 
yeah, we kind of sort of had to go a different path and just see if she could get her get her back in form and get her back winning, just to give the confidence, uh, give the owner some confidence to um, keep her going this preparation. You know, so it's, it worked out fantastic. Uh, Aussie Keir, uh, one of uh, one of the owners, and, and uh, you know John O'Neill as well, but uh, pretty uh, you know well-known colours. Obviously, the, the colours of the Cox Plate winner this um, mayor uh, wears. How's you know the the the, the big time ownership group behind this mayor. When you said you wanted to take it to the Mildura Cup, did you get a few sort of, you know, chuckles or, or whatever? Or were they pretty cool with the, the whole plan? Uh, well, I did have to ring Aussie and sort of um, bribe him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought, well, just yeah, I just sort of had to say, look, it's a hundred thousand dollar race, and you know, and if she if she can't run and, and that sort of you know in that sort of field, then you know it doesn't win. So you know, then maybe it's best to go to the Broodmare Paddock, but. Um, she got the job done, and uh, yeah, and then and then just having that run under her belt, and you know, yesterday it just planned out perfectly with uh, John Allen on board. So um, you know, it was probably good for him that ride on her at uh, Mildura. So yeah, it worked out fantastic. We want to drill down a bit more on her because we're up here in Queensland, so we saw her three times all at Eagle Farm, and she was out of the money each time. Uh, were there any excuses, or what did you? How did you assess that Queensland campaign when you when you went home? Yeah, look, she she just sort of didn't. Her coat didn't really turn when she was up there, and she never really sort of ate as well as what she has, you know, since she's been home. So, you know, we have a special feed here that that we have with our special mix with um, high gain, and um, yeah. So she, I don't know. She just sort of copped a few wide gates, and then she sort of copped a, a track that was a bit, you know, um, a bit biased at some points. And she went okay. Like warranted having that sort of next run she always hit the line okay but we didn't really see that good acceleration that she can have so you know i think just the last couple of starts back to the 14 where there's that real good genuine tempo because she does she like she's a lot better ridden that little bit quiet early and then just let her build up and then sort of roll from the 800 on so i think that's sort of just been a telling point you know she you know she has actually won over 1700 before when, and a benchmark 64 so she does get the trip, but uh, I just think she's a lot more impressive at the sort of 12 and 14 when they go harder early and she can get home over them. So does the um, the Group 1 Memsey, does it sort of come into the frame now for, for this girl now? Yeah, I think so. Um, like, well, we'll talk to Ozzy and that, but I, I think, you know, it was a weight parade. She, she did the job yesterday and um, did it with a little bit of authority and nicely, and she's looked the bowl clean this morning, so we'll just give her a nice quiet week, get it out to the beach for a couple of days. And, you know, I just probably won't do another bit of fast work till sort of Tuesday next week. So um, she comes through it well. I think we might as well have a crack at it. You know, you can't win them unless you're in them. So you might as well have a go. Um, you know, back at Caulfield, she likes she's won there yesterday. She'll present probably the same field with a few others, like 50 stars and a few of those. But um, I think so. I think the Phillies generally have quite a, Right, quite a good um, thing of winning it. Plenty of good fillies have won it. Miss Finland, Clive Diva, Sunline, Lance Jewell. Let's hope she can be in that calibre sooner or later with those good mares. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I think so. I think we might as well have a crack and then carry on and get her out to a trip later on, maybe in a Turak or a, or a Maya, you know. Um, but while she's running well, we might as well keep her going. And yeah, she's pulled up a treat from it. You probably half answered the question I was going to ask next, and you alluded to it before about distances. I think it might have been actually a first campaign. You did step her up to the Oaks at Morfordville, which was 2,000 metres. Would you ever consider that path again, or do you think like a mile to 1,700 is the outer limit? 
Well, maybe, but she sort of had a genuine excuse um, after that race. She didn't really travel too well. She pulled up with a bit of mucus. So, um, you know, she, you know, first time sort of travelling away. But, um, you know, the way she races where she sort of goes a bit cold and then sort of comes home over top, you would think she would get that little bit more of a trip. But, um, well, you never know. We'll just see how, see how we go, you know, later on. But... Um, She's winning a, a Memzi or a Sir Rupert or a Torak or a, or a Empire Rose. Well, then at least she's sort of done her job, you know. But it would be be really nice to see. But early, you know, we've always had quite a quite a big rap on her early on. You know, there's not many mares out there that can have 16 starts and win seven of them, and you know, a yeah. couple of groups too. So she's definitely got a good motor in the tank. So we might as well, you know, have a crack while she's in form. Yeah, one of the biggest questions in racing for you, Nat. I'm sure everyone wants to know the answer to this. How do you keep your training partner and life partner, Trent, under control. He is a loose unit. He's a great man. Uh, for, for, for those listeners who don't know, uh, you know, Trent, Trent, of course, dropped the F-bomb on national TV, I think, last year when you when you won a group one. He enjoys a good time, doesn't he? And I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall at, uh, at your place sometimes. You must have some, you must have some fascinating uh, conversations. And you celebrate your wins, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's got, you know, you know, everybody in the industry, they all work hard, so you've got to do it. But, yeah, you just got to know when to poke the bear, I think, with Trent. Um, <laughs> sometimes you've got to let things just go over your head and just carry on. You know, one of us has got to stay focused sometimes. But, uh, yeah, he definitely peaked early last night. I think he was, uh, he, he went to bed a couple, of early, a couple of hours earlier than what we did. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's always funny, you know. I'm lucky. I'm lucky he's funny. That's why I keep him around. Just before, we, just before we let you go, uh, so Sierra Sue, all good there. Anything else we can look forward to in the next few weeks? Um, yeah, we've got a really nice sort of young team coming through. You know, a few of these sort of two roles that are now three. I'm, mm. I, I really like one we've got on Wednesday called Zarel. Um, he won at Sandown last preparation. He's a really nice little colt, but um, yeah, got a lot of time for him. We've got a we got a nice horse today, Semper Fortis. That's Tavistock Colt. Um, he's actually a fault of flossing. He, he still might he might get a little bit wound up today. You know, prior to the race, it might be the only concern. But he's a nice horse going forward as well. And got a few nice fillies and um, Black Ivory and uh, Commands Field coming through. That's going to run up Bendigo on Friday. So yeah, we've just got a yeah you know, handful of really nice horses that hopefully progress through to the spring. It's, it's a good time of year to be starting to crank the team up. We're, we're busily looking at form, guys. That one in the day. Which track's at Cranbourne? Yeah. What race? Do you remember? Uh, race three. Race three. Race three. What's that name again? <laughs> oh, no, you said it too quickly. I, I, no, I've missed it. What did you say? Semper Fortis. Semper Fortis. Oh, yeah, yes, he's number a, 11. First start. Yeah, he's a, a Tavistock cult. That's probably going to get out to a bit of a trip later on. But he's probably, and we've had quite a few Tavistocks. He's actually quite sharp. So, yeah, got Craig Newitt on board. So I think he's paying $5 or something. <laughs> you think he's paying $5? You know he's paying $5. <laughs> 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 well, I, should, I, I, just, I usually like them when they're double figures, though. I, I don't do. bet every day like Trent. I just I wait for the double figures. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be living on two-minute noodles. Yeah. <laughs> Nat, uh, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, great day yesterday, and certainly good luck at the spring. Hopefully, we can talk again over the next few months. Yeah, I hope so. If you're talking to me, it means I'm going all right. <laughs> See you. <laughs> thanks, guys. See ya. Nat Young in a training partnership with Trent Basutton. So, race three, Ben, number 11, Semper Fortis. Yeah, There's might, a bet for you today. Might put a few Gaelic prawns on the table or something for you tonight, David. Why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know where that came from, but anyway. No, but you're sort of very deadly accurate there. <laughs> uh, look, uh, just on the race, good win, Sierra Sue. Uh, Streets of Avalon, favourite. Uh, on face value, looked disappointing, but pulled up lame, which was unfortunate because it was the favourite. Uh, and we're going to be saying this for sure and certain over the next few weeks, you know, horses to follow. and There will be runs that will catch the eye. And certainly second and third, uh, Angel of Truth, first up. So good improvement there. Red Can Man, he was going to 1,400. He was wide, no cover. He battled on really well. And Superstorm from last, running fourth, I thought was good. Yeah, and even the old guy, Best of Days, who I actually backed yesterday, but, um, you know, got a bit of a, a cluttered run and never really saw clear air until it was too late. And I think on balance, while we're saying it's an exciting time, these sort of races for the older horses, uh, they'll only get stronger over the, the weeks to come. So I suppose the case with Sierra Sue, and there, and in four off the last time, we can grab it while you can. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, speaking of those three-year-old races, we had two of them yesterday, the Vane for the Colts and the Quisette for the Phillies. Let's uh, let's go to race seven. This is the Phillies. And Gimme Park confidently back first up. It went off favourite at 270. See you in spring in the straight at the 300 metres from Scorched Earth. They were followed by Gimme Part of the middle of the track from Duchy of Savoy and Heresy down the outside. Scorched Earth at the 200 metres. Gimme Par is pounding home. Gimme Par moves up, takes the lead from Scorched Earth and Heresy. And Gimme Par's going to win it. Gimme Par scored a half length. Heresy second. Third, Scorched Earth and Naj Marty from the clouds in a photo for four with Libiamo. Then Duchy of Savoy and next to finish in the race was Tycoon Hummer. Then came Arcaded Sweet Mary Chimes and High 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 See You in Spring Asteroidia and Her Empire amongst the tail enders. Well, Gimme Power only had the two starts prior to her first up run yesterday. She debuted with a second at Flemington during the summer and then was given a break. She won at Caulfield in the early autumn and then she was tipped out again, but she looked good yesterday. I, I know, again, it's it's early in, in the season, but she travelled three wide, no cover, and she was too good. Yeah, I thought it was some sort of win. Um, look, she was elevated to favouritism for the 1,000 guineas off the back of that. But it's just interesting sometimes, isn't it, just to, to heed the words of trainers after a race. And Peter Moody was just sort of, you know, delighted with the win, but urging just a bit of caution. Said this, this girl's only a pretty light girl probably wouldn't, um, you know, be a 1,000 guineas type, uh, certainly at this point, might even have a very light spring. So, look, very, very exciting win, but I wouldn't necessarily be diving into her in, in those futures markets in the spring at this point. And I think that's the other point to make this morning. Whilst we see all this early season racing and we get excited and the, the markets are going to be very fluid in these next few weeks, that they'll probably sometimes overreact to performances. I think that's a great case in point. No doubt her ability... But it's a bit of a quantum leap, you know, eleven hundred, sixteen hundred, which is still what two months away. So, I'd say with 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 markets listeners, just be careful and and maybe you know look for value and, and look for things that are big odds that you don't have to put much on. But but certainly on yesterday's performance, she's got a good campaign ahead of it, whatever uh, journey she travels in. There's a bit of symmetry in the other three-year-old feature, the Vane Stakes, because the winner here is ingratiating. Was well back to win first up. Mark Hunter selected it yesterday. Because, of course, Ingratiating and Gimme Par raced together in the Talon Dirt back in February. Ingratiating had the wood on Gimme Par that day. If they were put apart yesterday, but let's have a listen to how this fellow won. 
3.50 out. Generation railed through to lead General Bow by a half length. Cecil Street Lad stoked up behind them from Lightsaber, then direct ingratiating's the widest. Generation at the 200 metres. Car went for the whip. General Bow sticking and ingratiating running on. Generation General Bow grabbed by ingratiating from last over the top of big winner. Ingratiating scored from a photo, General Bow or Generation. Then Mr. Mozart next to clock in was direct lightsaber and Cecil Street Lad. Skidolford Army start to build. Pulele last week at uh, Randwick, yesterday ingratiating, and of course. Animo still to come, so it was a nice group of three-year-olds. Yeah, and wasn't that some sort of win? Just gave them a start and an absolute thumping, really. And, um, y- you know, this this guy has already got a good record down the Flemington Strait. So, I mean, we're, you know, as we were alluding to before, you don't want to be diving into futures markets, you know, in sort of six or eight weeks' time necessarily at the moment. But, gee whiz, looks like a good type for a race like the Group 1 Coolmore, considering, you know, he, he loves Flemington. And could not really have been more impressive. And let's not forget, ran third in a golden slipper uh, and ran second in a blue diamond. So did it as a two-year-old and just ticked that box of exactly what you want to see. Come back as a three-year-old, you know, yeah. but perhaps even better. He was very durable as a two-year-old because he started off early in the, in the season and uh, he was there for every big dance and, and performed very well time-wise. Ingratiating 1.397, Gimme Power 1.438. So about a point four between the pair there. Another horse with an interesting name, Elephant, worth making a mention about him. Uh, he was um, boasted a good record arriving from New Zealand, had a good run in transit and got the money. In fact, are we going to... No, no, I'm just... I couldn't <laughs> find my sheet there. I was under pressure. Well, was, Elephant, under in, pressure. in the Fair Dingham Department, Elephant is worth mentioning. That was, a, mm. that was a fabulous win. A 30-week break, if you don't mind. Come to Australia from New Zealand, confidently backed. And, uh, you know, did the job. And now they're looking at maybe a two, or I think it's a three-week break, perhaps to the Fian, uh, for that Kiwi, unbeaten Kiwi horse to come to Australia and do that first up off such a long break. Uh, gee whiz, I think he's in for some, some sort of spring. Unbeaten, five from five. So they were some of the highlights yesterday at Caulfield Sierra. So, of course, being the highlight, winning the group to Peter Lawrence. Let's turn our attention to Morfordville. And the spring stakes. There was an early sensation before they even jumped away. Dallas End got loose and uh, had to be declared a late scratching. So it then appeared to be a certainty that it'd be a clash or a duel between Behemoth and also Bo Rossa. Let's have a listen to how it panned out. So Bo Rossa up towards the bend, led the way by a length and a quarter. Behemoth about to come after him now. They straighten up now in the spring stakes. Who's got the better kick? Bo Rossa shot away to lead by two. Behemoth has to lift now. The big boys asked to come after him. Bo Rossa inside the two, a length in front. Behemoth is coming now, though. The big boy wants to lay in, though. Cost him half a length. He's coming now. Bo Rossa a half. Drawing level. Behemoth, they drive to the line. Bo Rossa! Bo Rossa, the new kid! I think he held Behemoth in a photo. Five lengths away to Retrato. Then perfect route. Worley's last chance. One more jack. What a thriller in the spring stakes. Well, Bo Ross's back has breathed a big sigh of relief when the number went up. But then that uh, euphoria didn't last for too long because there was a protest. Second against first. Kayla Crowther on Behemoth protesting against Bo Rosser for interference over the last 100 metres of the, the objection was upheld and probably upheld rather swiftly. David Jolly's the trainer of Behemoth. Great to have him on past the post. Good morning, David. How are you? 
Good morning. Thanks, David. How are you? I'm well, and let's be honest, uh, I watched the race from, from the lateral view. I actually had the chance to watch the head-on vision this morning, and uh, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it, the protest result? Yeah, that's right. It, it certainly gave you a different perspective. Um, yeah, the side-on just looked like um, Behemoth had sort of maybe ducked in behind his heels, but mm. um, you know, the, uh, certainly once you saw the head-on, it was pretty evident what happened that um, before he actually got to Bo Rossa, Bo Rossa sort of came out and just took his line a little bit, you know, sort of thing. So it made it, um, uh, yeah, made it look like, you know, just from the side on that Behemoth had sort of just got him behind him a bit. But, um, but yeah, once you sort of head on, it was like, oh, gee, and, and given the margin, um, it was probably, um, it was probably going to be always in our favour. Gee, Will, Will Clark and uh, y- your mate's uh, <laughs> face in the steward room gave it away, the, the trainer of Bo Rossa. He, he just looked as glum as you possibly could in the steward room. You must have just, if you hadn't any, any doubt, you must have just looked at his face and thought, gee whiz, we're home here. Well, we were actually sitting, Cutter and I were sitting in front of him, so we sort of didn't, you know, uh, we didn't uh, didn't get to see that. But I think they probably, I mean, I've, I've sort of got um, yeah, quite a good relationship with Will, and I, I think that... Um, um, he and Todd knew they were probably in a bit of bother before they went in there. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, spring stakes ticked off, done, uh, albeit under different circumstances. Last year, of course, went to the Memsey, won them, won the Rupert Clark. Are we following the same path in the short term, at least? I'll certainly go to the um, uh, yeah, the Memsies at uh, pretty much that's locked in. Um, I suppose that the Rupert Clark. That River Clark and Turak Pass might depend a little bit on um, uh, on weight mm. and uh, you know I suppose what he does you know between now and then it's probably not going to matter too much from a weight perspective. But I mean last year he carried 60 um, during COVID times I suppose which we are now. But the minimum generally in the River Clark is um, for, you know uh, is very low. You know so I think um, they held that out up up a little bit last year. So. He actually got reasonably well weighted for what he'd done. Um, so, um, you know, if that changed, um, yeah, we might be in a position that he just might get too much weight in those handicaps and we'd maybe stick to the weight for age. But, um, I mean, for a horse that sort of runs sort of probably, you know, ideal trips about 1,400 a mile, there's, there's a wealth of races during the Melbourne Spring Spring. He actually started eleven dollars well in the market in in the Everest last year. Obviously, ran down the track. I mean, is there any part of you that that um, or have have there been has there been any interest from anyone you know Everest wise, or, or would you? You know, I'm assuming it's probably an ask and answer style question, given it's such a rich race. I mean, would you would you sort of uh, like to go down that path again if you could? Oh, look, we haven't given that a play. I mean, certainly it was a great experience, but just probably doing the right thing by the horse. I think he's. Um, We've had a couple of goes now where he's got a little bit deeper into the prep and then diverted back to 1,200, and it probably hasn't worked you know, as well as what we would have liked. You know? so I, think, I think once he's sort of on a conventional path to 1,400 or a mile, um, you know, uh, you know, we're better off sort of looking, looking at those options. You know? I know those, um, um, yeah, the Everest is not something to yeah, turn your nose at, but I think, uh, look, I... I honestly think maybe a high-pressure 1,200-metre race for him at this stage in his career is just a bit sharp. You know, obviously, he won a six furlong race yesterday, but even watching the race yesterday, um, they, I know they did it off a slower speed early, but Bo Ross has sort of dropped him a bit on the turn. Um, 
hasn't got that sort of lightning acceleration over that six furlongs, I think, whereas um, he's, he's probably a horse that he overpowers and with his, you know, with his, with his strength and size and, you know, over, over 14 or a mile, he can just get in a striking position and, uh, and sort of achieve that, whereas I think I think he's, I think it's just that at that elite level, um, the horses have just got a little bit better turn of foot over six furlong thing. Mm. He's been very well managed. He, he's just turned six, but he's only had twenty three starts, nine wins, and he's he's given you and your owners a, a stack of thrills as a multiple group winner. But does it frustrate you that you haven't won a Goodwood and you've had three goes at it? Oh yeah, look, look, certainly. I mean, the Goodwood's always a a, a, a um, Race to win on the yeah you know, like a good race to win on the um uh, you know on the local front um and I've won I've won, I have won one before not with that horse ironically enough I've probably won a horse that was with a horse that was well inferior to him um but um look he's been unlucky a couple of times in it uh, I think last year he didn't have probably the right prep towards it so maybe it's one of those things that's sort of not maybe it's not meant to be um but once again I think that echoes my thoughts on a little bit on on him at six furlongs, mm. as getting a bit older, I think he just lacks that brilliance at the top level over six furlongs. You know, I think he's, I, I think he comes into his own. You know, um, you know that fourteen to a mile, like fourteen's perfect for him. You know, sort of thing. And, and um, yeah, he's only had a couple of goes around the mile, and I think he's, if he's going to do the mile strongly, he'll do it this time. You know, he's more relaxed a bit in, his, in himself and in his in his work and that. So. I think we, um, yeah. I think once we, yeah, once we sort of get to the mile, we'll just we'll just hang around there. It's funny though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. It's not meant to be just because of the horse he is and, and where he's developed. But it's like Geetra in a way. A horse like Behemoth and Geetra, you feel like they're almost entitled to win a good one because they've been so good everywhere else in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. They can't win the can't win the, the feature on their home front. But I think that. Um, yeah, good one. It's a tough race to win, you know. So then you've got a lot of luck, and you've got to be in the spot. You know, those sort of, you know, those those feel races. You know, you 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 just, you know, there's not a lot between all the horses, you know. So that, and and plays a lot, a big part in it. And uh, one thing is though, um, for us, um, you know, like you, you always hear of these horses that maybe don't come up or miss work or things like that during the spring. And it's a very, it's been a very useful tool for us. I think it's very well placed for a Melbourne spring. Um, we get to, you know, and for a horse like him who, who doesn't spell often, you know, like he, he's, he's, he's probably only really let there, he doesn't have much racing, but he, because he's so big, I think to, to have a good spell and bring him back, it'd just, yeah, like it would be a bit taxing on his legs and things like that. You know, so then he fires on these sort of shorter, shorter break, mini breaks and, and go again. And the Goodwood's perfectly placed for the spring because you can rely on that residual fitness. Um, and if you do, yeah, I mean, this, this year we had a, you know, we've had a, a very wet winter. Um, so the horses probably had to do more beach work than track work. And the previous year he did probably more track work than beach work. Um, and obviously he's come up similar uh, in a similar fashion. But I also I, I really think that's due to him having um, the run in the Goodwood, uh, and then a let up afterwards. You've actually got that residual fitness you're relying on, so you're not under pressure to to, to push them through, you know, like bad tracks to get them fit. Yeah. There's no doubt. This has been a recurring theme on these shows lately that 
these horses that, as you described, at the elite level, you don't see them have the old uh, style traditional spells anymore. There's just too much feature racing, which often overlaps, you know, whether it be season or whether it be state. So it's more a case now of they're just being sparingly raced rather than having a, you know, a real chunk of a spell. Well, I think so. I, I, I think if, if you ever think about it, really, if a horse is sound and, but, you know, not too many issues, you know, um, it doesn't really make sense to, um, to to give a horse a long break and then, you know, like you've got, you see a lot of horses are racing in eight, nine weeks, you know, ten weeks maybe. That, so they've got to go from doing nothing physically mm. to, uh, and, and then if they're on, if they're on, on preparations where there's targets and things like that, you might miss some work or the horse has a little foot abscess or, or an, uh, you know, a slight injury or something like that. You always got to, you always need a week or two up your sleeve. It, it, really, it doesn't make sense to, to go from a horse that, you know, with a horse that's got no fitness to, to, to get to a, try and get to an elite level, um, of, of having, uh, you know, no sort of physical activity for two or three months. You know, it just doesn't make sense. I think, I think everyone's probably aware of that these days. And, and I, um, I think that sort of, if you, it's probably more about if you can keep them mentally happy as well, you know. Uh, and um, I, I'm very lucky. I'm in a training in an area that's um, that's got yeah, we've got the beach and the river and you know, sort of uh, yeah, other options. Um, so you can you don't have to take a horse out of training, so to speak. You can just let it down a little bit and then go again. You know. I, th- I think it's certainly a growing trend. Congratulations on yesterday. As I said, albeit under different circumstances, but he's a great ambassador for the state, and the state's going pretty well at the moment, so I'm sure he'll keep flying the flag for not only your connections, but but also for South Australia. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. David Jolly joining us this morning. And it's, it's something that I think we've been talking about, I've been talking on Press Room, that the old days of, you know, campaign, traditional spell campaign, they're fading out now. Horses are racing, you know probably a little bit more and not having these gaps and, and, and trainers are using different techniques and different philosophies to not, you know, keep them totally in full work, but just keep their mind alert and, you know, back off a bit and maybe have four or five weeks or six weeks rather than the two or three months. Yeah, and Queensland fits into that whole picture 100%. in quite an interesting fashion, doesn't it? I mean, the prize money, uh, while not at uh, obviously New South Wales and Victorian levels, up here in the Winter Carnival is, is very, very good. So, um you know, maybe the absolute top learners don't come up to Queensland like they once did, but but the prize money's got to such a level that the certainly the, the you know the second tier or the you know the, the the potentially very good horses still do come up. So you raised the point; it was a good point to raise too about the Everest. They probably didn't really think it would suit him, but you couldn't knock it back, could you? No, and he just won two Group Ones. Yeah. So you know, and and it's funny you you look at the you know the betting market. He started hard in the betting. You know, he's ten or eleven dollars. So look, probably not that Everest kind of. A horse, but it's interesting, isn't it? Just um, you know, you hear trainers a lot of the time talking about you know the horse comes first, and I sort of wonder what that means half the time, really. But you get the feeling with that horse, um, from what David Jolly was saying, that if someone from the Everest did come knocking, which is probably unlikely, but if they did, he might actually knock them back. You know, just going on what he was saying, which is quite a call for a fifteen million dollar race. And the the other point that we made that he's had three goes of the Goodwood. He's a horse. A behemoth should win a Goodwood. It just seems right. Or Gtrash should win a Goodwood. And uh, but he's probably formed the opinion now, and I suppose the the evidence is there that he is more of a fourteen hundred miler. 
but I reckon it'll be the good one next year. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and look, no taking away there from Bo Ross. I think Bo Ross yeah. is the horse of the future. He's uh, just turned four. Uh, was beaten fair and square, albeit on protest. Um, but I think he's a very talented horse, only getting better. Good trainer too, Will Clark. He had a winner at Caulfield yesterday with a second slip a little earlier in the day. We're looking back at racing yesterday for Archer Park uh, Racing. Don't forget, go to that website, archerparkracing.com.au. There could be a Magic Millions winner there or any amount of winners. Ben Dorries is currently having a look at it right now. <laughs> what's happened don't, to the pa- don't buy that one. That's too expensive the, for you. The past the post, the horse you told me we're getting. What's happened to it? Have you got any news? Well, it's only a week. I mean, well, you told me we got something. Nothing. You've, you've, that's well, to, to get something, you need to give me something. <laughs> C-A-S-H. Yeah, well, I've got 20 bucks in the bank. We should be sweet. You'll get a share, but um, not quite sure what percentage. <laughs> Let's go to Kembla. Of course, uh, the COVID situation is dire in New South Wales, but we turned our attention to Kembla for the Metro meeting. The Group 3 up-and-coming was the feature, and a horse that we saw play a prominent role in our carnival, Tiger of Malay, was the favourite. And Brigantine lays it down to concocted. Now Tiger Malay is scraping paint, getting an inside runner. Water out is Coast Watch. Pattern running on OK. It's concocted under siege. Coast Watch in the centre. Raced up to hit the lead. Subterraneans getting a gap and Tiger Malay the inside. It's Coast Watch. Coast Watch from Tiger Malay. Tiger Malay the inside. May have just won this. Tiger Malay a nose to Coast Watch. And in the white cap, constructors come home into third in front of Subterranean. Followed by Concocted, then came Patton from uh, Brigadina and uh, dropping out of it at the finish there was Revivalist. It's a photo and a close photo finish. It was too, but the nose, ver- nose verdict went the way of Tiger of Olay for Jay Mack and Richard and Michael Freeman. Richard's on the line now. Richard, good morning. Hey, boys, how are you? Fit and well, and I suppose, as we, we've just been saying earlier in the show, Ben and I... This early season, uh, you like to see how they come on. He hasn't had a long break from racing. In fact, it's only a couple of months. But good to see him win there yesterday. It was. Uh, he hasn't had a big preparation into it either. He, he had not a very long spell, but he had a very light prep into his only trial. And and then he's uh, he's come back to the track, you know, at 1,300, carried a big weight uh, and done the job. It's, it's good to see. I, I think you have to say the horse has improved from his... Queensland campaign and he kind of needs to into a, a three-year-old spring so it's a good sign. You would have seen so many top two-year-olds over the years Richard uh, that do the business as, as a two-year-old but just for one reason or another don't come back as three so do you always have going into a three-year-old season with with a horse like this just a little bit of nervousness or, or are you always comfortable that he is, he is top class and top level? Uh, I don't like the way you said so many, you know, like I'm I'm a hundred or something, you know. Well, I'm not there yet. Well, a few. <laughs> um, look, you're right. Uh, you do see a lot of two-year-olds, and a lot of them as trainer, you, you know, are unlikely to make the grade at three, and there are a lot of three-year-olds you, you know are unlikely to make the grade at four. They're very big steps. But um, he was a bit unknown, this guy. He's always been a really strong colt with a strong finish. They're, they're the types of horses that do go on with the job more often than not and um you know he, he he did look to be physically and mentally improved after he'd done that trip away to queensland so i think that that augured well for him and i think uh you know it it gave us the confidence to take him into that race on a, a light prep we didn't really want to run with that sort of weight but there are very few options when you're starting off these three-year-olds you've you've got to take the ones as they come along so he's 26 down to 15 for the Golden Rose. I'd imagine that's the uh, one of the, the strongest aims. What path does he plot to get there? 
Well, that's that's up to him, really. He's had a very, hard, you know, quite a hard run on a very hard track yesterday mm. at uh, Kembla. It was, you know, lightning fast. And he's carried 61 kilos to do it. So I think we'll just let him tell us where he's at by about the middle of the week, uh, see how he recovers over the next few days, and then sort of plot the path from there. But it is definitely one of the races on the on the spreadsheet. And I think, you know, looking at the way he finished that race off, yesterday, I think something like the Caulfield Guineas might get on the spreadsheet as well. Sure. Can you give us a bit of an insight into, uh, I mean, we're sitting up here in the, the, the studio in Brisbane, the, the COVID situation in New South Wales as pertains to racing. Like, you know, we haven't seen anything like this, have we, in society or certainly in racing. What difficulties does it present, um, you know, logistical or, or whatever for you as a horse trainer? Because it, it just... I mean, it's fabulous that racing is still going, but it just can't be easy in this day and age. It's hard to train horses anyway, let alone in this environment. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, it is a logistical exercise more than anything. Uh, I'm at Rose Hill with the team, and we're in the Parramatta LGA, which is in hard lockdown. Now, luckily for me, most of my staff live in the Parramatta LGA, which means they can come to work. Um, and and by the, the re- government regulations, they don't have to be tested to come to work because they're essential workers. But racing in New South Wales has brought in a system where the staff, all my staff, are rapid tested every every second day. I get rapid tested every second day. They do too. And that you know that that is another safeguard, and it also makes the staff very aware of their responsibilities and their and the the lifestyle they can lead during this. I think it reminds them every second day. So that that's that part of it Th- that we can cope with. The hardest part is sending horses to the races. My staff from Rose Hill, because they live in that LGA, they can't go to a race meeting anywhere. So they and there's no race meetings at Rose Hill, so they're not going to any race meetings. And if we send horses to Kembla Grange or you know, Newcastle or even to Randwick, we've got to send the horse and then organise a strapper who can attend those race courses from another LGA to take the horse off the float. My staff can put them on the float and then they've got to be taken off the float at the races, strapped by someone else, put back on a float. They have to float home on their own and then my staff have to be waiting around at home to take them off the float. And It's just a big logistical exercise at the moment. We're all doing it because we know that this is... You know, part of the reason the racing is, is continuing is because it's very strictly administered uh, in that regard. But it, you're right, it's a logistical problem. I don't want to be too cynical about it. And just on the COVID situation, it seems to be, though, with that state lockdown being enacted uh, late yesterday afternoon, things aren't going to get easier, are they? Well, you know, I think you've just got to take the view. I don't know that you take it the same, you view it the same way in Queensland, but I think a lot of people in New South Wales view it this way. It's all going to level out at the same place. Mm. We're going to be living with COVID in the community. People are going to get COVID. Probably most of the population in their lifetime will get it. Those who are vaccinated will suffer to a degree, and those who are unvaccinated will potentially suffer a lot more. And I think that's about where it all levels out. Yeah, good point. On a brighter note, tell us about Stay Inside. What's happening there? Oh, look, he's done well since his trial. He trialled very well. He um, He's recovered from that trial nicely. He's working very well. So he'll just go probably to the San Domenico, and, which will be a very strong race, by the way. And uh, that, that'll be his kick-off point. And just before you go, you know I like to talk through my kick even when I'm calling the races. What the hell happened to Illusionist on Wednesday at Doomman? I don't know. 
They, you don't know. <laughs> I don't, it's it's uh, look. He I don't know. He just maybe he doesn't run twelve hundred meters. He's he's uh, he's a bit of bit of a mystery there. Lee and, and Michael are talking mostly on that horse because he was out of the Randwick stable. He went to Lee's stable in Queensland, so they're they're chatting about that horse. I, I've I've been out of the loop a little bit on that, mm. but um, I just it, just on your track yesterday while we're we're talking about Queensland tracks. Yep. Eagle Farm. Yep. I mean, I ran a horse there yesterday and, and he didn't win. He ran fourth. He ran all right, but you know, I was speaking to Michael Carl last night after the race and he said look i said it'll they put it up a good four it looks like they put a bit of water on it well he sent me a picture of all the, the sort of mud and fill that he had all over his boots and goggles and i don't know look i think it's very harsh on the track guys up there to blame them for what's happened with that track they would be doing their absolute best and i don't think anyone who's criticizing them could do any better than they're doing but you've got uh, and to me personally my opinion I, there's something wrong with the profile on that track. There's something wrong with the surface and, and how it presents. You have a track down the road that has been unbelievable and stood the test of time for decades. Just go down and take some core samples of the Gold Coast track and try and rebuild that that same profile at Eagle Farm. You've probably solved the problem. Or, or even doom it across the road. I'll make you one promise before you go. Come next Friday, there's a very important meeting on... You'll hear more after next Friday. Oh, that's good. Well, I hope I hear good things after next Friday because just battling away and saying, oh, it'll come right, Mm. I I don't think it will. Yeah, look, Richard, for what it's worth, I totally agree with you. We are sick in Queensland of Band-Aid solutions for this track. Uh, It's been going on since 2014. It's reached a point. I think we're all trained as all participants. Whatever the, um, the fix is, uh, it needs to be agreed and there needs to be a long-term vision, a long-term plan and some some constructive work done on rebuilding this track because these Band-Aid solutions just simply don't work. I actually built a couple of tracks myself and looked after one, you know, in my career as, you know, administering at the AJC and built tracks at Markdale and that. The, the one thing I would advise the committee against is getting, is taking too much advice from engineers who have, never built racetracks before that you'll you'll actually get better feedback from the guys who maintain racetracks on a on a daily basis than you will from engineers i know you've got to have engineers involved because you've got to sign off on some sort of plan but let them draw the plan don't let them make the decisions and i think just to end off on that uh often those engineers will to use an old expression baffle you with science and people walk away and say well, I couldn't criticise him because I didn't really know what he was talking about, but he must be right. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? There's, there's, the, other, there's the, other, the, the other problem. This is not a science. This is a black art. So, so get guys who understand the black art of racetrack preparation, not the guys who are trying to apply science to yeah. it. Always good to talk to you. Congratulations on yesterday. All right. Thanks, guys. There he is, Richard Freeman, joining us. We'll talk more about uh, Eagle Farm tomorrow in Press Room. This is Pass the Post for Archer Park Racing. A short break and then back to look at Eagle Farm. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Night of Encart at Eagle Farm yesterday. Let's go to the eighth race of the day. The Mark Mazzaglia handicap. Royal Hale opened the favourite, but Pepe Le Few for Archer Park was the best backed and it ran the favourite at 270.
In the home straight, 300 left to run. Royal Hale went to Weeborder Zoo. Pepe Lafew is trying hard to get Royal Hale. He's trying to work into the race and run for glory. He's running around wider. Royal Hale and Jaden Lloyd led the way with 100 metres left to run. Pepe Lafew is trying hard, but Royal Hale packing a strong punch. Pepe Lafew can't get him. Royal Hale beat Pepe Lafew. Third over the line, run for glory. Weeborder Zoo fourth in Americana Magic. Sea Raider Ozark Valario and Brad was last over the line. Royal Hale successful for Tony Gollard. They had first and third, in fact. And Jaden Lloyd, as you heard on the broadcast, was the winning rider. A Metro double for Jaden yesterday, and he joins us this morning. How are you, mate? Good. How are you? Very well. And you've had a very good week because from last Sunday to yesterday, you've netted six winners. One at the sunny coast, a double at Doomman, one at Ipswich on Friday and two yesterday. So you must be really happy with yourself. Yeah, things are going good and getting nice rides, so it's just good to make the most of those opportunities. Jaden, I loved what you said after riding a winner uh, in town uh, a few weeks ago. I think when you were asked about, uh, I think Cole Wilson Taylor may have written a winner on the same day, and you were asked about, uh, you know, being a young apprentice, and you said, you know what, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of press and whatever about this Cole Wilson Taylor, but hang on, I'm I'm here to make a stand as well. It's going to be a pretty competitive old year. You must be loving that sort of rivalry, you know, in in the apprentice ranks and and just sort of uh, you know you, you've really put your mark down on that in the last few weeks, haven't you? Yeah, well, um, me and Kyle were pretty good mates, and um, look, it's always good to have a bit of a rivalry between the two of us. And uh, no, he's a good rider, and I like to think I'm going all right too. So. Um, no, nah, it's just good that we're both exciting at the same time and uh, nah, we're good mates, so it's all, it's all fun and jokes. Jaden, yesterday your other winner was Samurai, the third race. I, I liken these two horses, Samurai and Royal Hale, and I'm interested in your thoughts because, to me, they're never going to be champions, but you can really, from a punter's point of view, you can really trust them. They always give their best. If they don't win, it'll simply because they are not won't be good enough, but they try for you. Yeah, exactly right. They're both... They're both very, very consistent horses, and they both put themselves in the race. And um, at Eagle Farm, that's what you really want. Um, and they both try. So um, now they're very consistent, and it's just a pleasure to ride horses like that. Jaden, your, your uh, sort of working relationship, I guess, with your, your dad, uh, Jeff. How much? I mean, how much of what he says do you take on board? I'm assuming a lot. And how much do you say, "Hey, Dad, just leave me alone. I'll work it out myself." <laughs> Oh, it's a bit of both. Uh, obviously, you got to when he talks, you got to listen. But um, look, I, I like to take most of the things he says. Um, look, he, he's been he's been a massive help to my career. So, and that, I, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Am I right in saying it's almost two years to the day that you started riding? Was your first ride a Wangaratta? It, yeah, it certainly was. Um, I think I nearly killed half the field my first ride. So. <laughs> I remember what, we, were, we were all watching it because it was such a... You were like one of those expensive yearlings having its first race start, but uh, it didn't come to plan then. Do you keep a tally on how many winners you've ridden? Yeah, yeah, I certainly do. Um, I, think, I, don't know, I don't know the exact number, but I'll, I know I'm thereabouts somewhere. So, um, yeah, certainly do. And, uh, no, I don't think I was an early two-year-old. No. <laughs> I, I, reckon you've, I reckon you've nearly ridden 100 winners. Would that be right? Oh, I think maybe just under, yeah. 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 Uh, Jade, you were born in South Africa, obviously, but I, 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 I'm not quite familiar with uh, how old you were when the family um, left. I'm assuming you were very young. Do you, do you have many memories of, of the early days in South Africa or were you, were you sort of too young to, to remember much for that? No, nah, I was probably a little bit too young for that. Um, but I did go back there when I was 
first still learning to ride. I went to the South African Jockey Academy for 10 months. Um, so that was good, and I got to go back and see where I grew up and that. So um, yeah, that's good, but I don't have early memories, no. Now, look, Toby and Trent Edmonds, they're not listening this morning, so don't worry about them. <laughs> don't worry about them. I'm going to ask you a question. They won't, they won't be listening. Uh, will you be riding Alpine Edge next start or not? No, I think it's going to Sydney. There's, okay. It's rating too high for here, and um, no, nah, I think I think they'll be finding a Sydney rider. You earned a, you earned a lot of reps that day for your rider. It was an intelligent ride. The way you plotted that path, navigated that course, and must have given you a lot of satisfaction. Not only because you probably knew you rode a good race, but to, on a high-profile horse like that on a Saturday, doesn't come much better for a, a, an apprentice. Yeah, look, it meant a lot for him to put me on a caliber horse like that. Um, he's pretty classy, and I just knew if I just ride him like the best horse, he, he, he did the rest. So um, I just rode him like the best horse, and he was. Well, Jaden, I love you today. I've, I've got a very, very small interest in Royal Hale, and uh, the key, I think, probably to this win um, was your claim, like just getting the, the, the kilos off. Was that? Um, do you think that was a, a decisive factor in that win? Because I know when, when Ryan Maloney rode him, this guy the previous start, he, he, that's what he was sort of saying, just, this guy needs a bit of weight off his back. Yeah, look, he's not, he's not the biggest horse. He's, he's got a big heart, but he's not very big, and I think taking that three kilos off really helped him. Um, got a really nice run for the route, um, and he was a winner a long way from home. He, he's, he's a little ripper. He tries his heart out. So, uh, no, big thanks to Tony Yellen and everyone for the ride, and uh, no, it was great to win on him. You're on a roll at the moment. Uh, continue good work. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. You have a good day at the Sunshine Coast. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Jaden Lloyd joining us this morning. Where's our man gone? Hiding somewhere. Um, <laughs> Which man's that? Well, the, <laughs> the man at the, the, the desk. Where is he? Just waltzing back in <laughs> as if nothing's happened. Hey, do uh, you think I should give Jaden Lloyd a sling? Or what do you think? Well, this is the next question we have to pose to you on behalf of all of the listeners out there, the thousands of listeners. How small is the share? That very small. <laughs> How small? <laughs> well, I think there's a I think there's a syndicate, the Early Thought Syndicate, and I think we've got ten percent, and there's about four million of us. So I, th- I think if you shaved a, a, a sort of a toenail off off Royal Hale, uh, that'd be probably well. Much first prize money was forty two thousand seven hundred. Am I right in saying you've got $4.27 out of it? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Cut it by coffee. It doesn't matter. Hey, you know what? I've got, uh, I've got, a, I've got a good horse that we've hardly seen race in, in four years that we, we, we can't get up, as you know, with Tony McAvoy. So just having even the tiniest little interest in one that wins is a big thrill. He's been well placed in all seriousness, uh, Royal Halem. is his seventh win at 21 starts, and uh, Tony Gollum puts the polish on him. Let's go to the last race. Most consider there were three possible chances, but... It didn't pan out that way with a double-figure shot winning. Into the straight, short of 400 left to run. And young Kate Coward makes all haste for home. She's got her eyes on the prize. And a vowel is well clear. To Lamour and Stuttering, they can't do any better for the moment. Barney's Law starts to run on. Down below the 200 metres, a vowel's the leader. Barney's Law is making up ground. 100 left to run. A vowel in front. Barney's Law, he's coming. He's coming. He's got him. Barney's Law, beat home a vowel. Photo third. Kubrick out wide, stuttering with Ulysses in the setup. Then came Take T, Indenale to Jolamore and Ghostly.
ghostly as last day with the lies. Even the race callers have got to have a bit of theatre. They all would have said, oh, he was on Barney's Law. Did you hear him? I was on a vow. <laughs> so I stuck it to him there. Well, look, in the fair thing in the department, that was actually a pretty good win. It sort of defied the pattern a bit of uh, yeah. the day. Um, hit, hit the line. Well, <laughs> and, and look, you know, uh, uh, the, the girl, Kate Cowan, she wrote a vow. She might have been a little too anxious in the early part of the straight. You know, there's two ways of looking at it. I said this to someone after the races. If she wins, she's a genius because she pinched a break at the right time. If she gets run down, the argument is you went too early. But Eagle Farm is a long straight and it's often a matter of Eagle Farm of just, you know, waiting, waiting, counting to 10 and then going because she had the lightweight. So I'm not going to uh, be too critical there but because she did only have 51, well, he only had 51 kilos of vow to carry. But Barney's Law didn't run too badly the other day, so it wasn't a total surprise. No, uh, absolutely not. I was uh, having a brief conversation with Mark Curry, um, the trainer, too, a couple of weeks ago. I think Soxagon, mm. uh, that good horse uh, of his, is um, is almost back. So that'll be one to watch out for. I think they might even consider... I don't think Mark Curry can actually um, enter a horse in New South Wales, but they might actually look at going to Victoria even, potentially, with Soxagon, or if not... Um, you know, they'd pick out some good races in Queensland. I saw a breeze home in a trial in Toowoomba recently, just when I was doing form on another horse. It might go to the gold market first up at the end of the month. Yeah, won't that be a crack? Every race? other horse seems yeah. to be going there. Yeah. Royal Hale might go there. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> You're getting up in the ratings. Yeah, like we'd be a million to one. But uh, no, Alligator Blood certainly adds a lot of interest to that gold market, but it won't be a one-horse race. Alligator Blood with the 61, uh, that'll be a... a assuming uh, COVID restrictions and whatever allowed, it'd actually be worth getting to the track that uh, day on the Gold Coast. Uh, you wouldn't see much a much better race on a Friday in Queensland at this time of year. 100%. Unusual to see Steve Tregay trying to win on a Saturday. <laughs> Not. Let's have a listen to Champagne Arty in race seven. Champagne Arty up the straight, 300 left to run. Hands and heels leads the way. I can do better up to second. Spanish point under pressure. It can do no more. Most of them can do no more. Champagne Arty down to the 100 metres leads the way. From running on gamely on the outside was I can do better. Wider was Predictable Miss. But it's Champagne Arty again. Too good for them. Champagne Arty beat Predictable Miss. I can do better. And Secudo. Then a healthy gap to Divine 11 ELO. Followed by at the... Head of the others was Magic Conqueror. Spanish points stopped very quickly, as did top me up again. Some long margins there in the second half of the field. But Champagnati, the favourite, salutes again. Five wins from 14. Larry Cassidy riding, Steve Tregay training. And one thing I like about Steve is he doesn't sugarcoat things. He's still not putting any boom on Champagnati. And I think that's a, a fair call. She's going through her classes and finding the right races at the right time. Yeah, I thought you, <clears throat> I thought you might be a bit of a risk yesterday, but as usual, I'm wrong. And <laughs> since we uh, have last been on this show, uh, he's good horse. He's very good horse. Incentivised Melbourne Cup, Caulfield Cup favourite. Uh, broke a story last week for um, News Corp that Glenn Boss had been booked mm. to ride this horse uh, in its spring campaign in the Melbourne Cup. So that's a big booking for Steve Tregay's horse, which is now obviously with Peter Moody, but Steve retains 50% of the horse. One thing he did point about this mare, she likes the rail. She can, and, and she came around the turn like she came out of box one of the dogs. I mean, <laughs> she, she, she was glued to the fence, and it certainly helped her in her cause, winning race seven. $2.30 favourite she was. The meeting started with two good three-year-old races. Let's have a listen to the first one. Glorious Ruby was all the rage in the morning. They took a bit of a gamble, though, in the last 20 minutes of betting, but uh, it still ran the favourite. 
into the home straight now with 4.50 left to run. She's heavily turned in the lead from Vienna Empress Princess Bojack now getting on her bike, setting sail out after the leader. Glorious Ruby being called upon by Kilda. Secret Tales at the moment needs to get a move on. It's not doing enough and Nora's Snowdrop. She's heavily grabbed by Princess Bojack. Princess Bojack on the outside with 1.20 left to go. Takes the lead. Moving clear. Glorious Ruby can't reach it and Princess Bojack moved away and scored well. Second Glorious Ruby. Third she's heavenly. Fourth was Vienna Empress and Secret Tales and Snowdrop. They put their money on. They left it in. Neither a factor. Second last and last. There was all this betting storm around Glorious Ruby in the morning and then at the track for Secret Tales and Snowdrop. And I mentioned on radio in the morning, Princess Bojack, even at that point, was neglected in the betting. Uh, started $7, but Little Miss Professional, she is, and a little did everything right. I recall you mentioning her two weeks ago. Yeah, and I think the key to her was uh, dropping back to 1,000 mm. metres. I think probably 1,200 metres uh, was a bridge uh, too far. And um, lovely little pick-me-up for Michael Nolan, who has lost, obviously, um, his um, good filly hinged to Chris Waller. Um, uh, you know, so this this uh, Princess Bojack is probably no hinged, but a nice little uh, money spin. It was a fascinating betting race, wasn't it? I mean, when betting first opened, Secret Tales mm. was very short. And I saw with some bookies yesterday, got out to as much as $6. Um, and then came came back in late. They came for Glorious Ruby, then they backed a, a few others. But Princess Bojack sailed under the radar and is just as um, as consistent as the day's long. Yeah, exactly right. Jimmy Byrne rides her well. Suggested that maybe Blinkers uh, may even further her cause next time she steps out. But she's been good. And you mentioned about... Um, uh, good, uh, a good payday with the cutest bonuses. First prize is nearly $80,000. So, I mean, uh, this cutest system really works wonders here in Queensland. Let's go to the Colts division over the 1,000 metres. And Legal Esprit and Gemelon Bolt, they had a really good battle for favouritism. Around the turn now, 4.50 left to run. Both Legal Esprit and Gemelon Bolt, they'll make their runs together. Coming after Ticaretti, Regal Conqueror near the inside. Then the QS followed by Mashani Sniper. Legal Esprit's got it narrowly. Gemelon Bolt immediately under pressure. Then Mashani Sniper and Regal Conqueror getting up on the inside, running one hell of a race. Legal Esprit's got a battle on his hands. It's from Regal Conqueror. Legal Esprit drifting out, though. He's in front. He's a beauty, Legal Esprit. He wins again. Beats home the QS. Third eye, the Mashani Sniper or Regal Conqueror. Gemelon Bolt weakened out of it. And Tickeretti, last home. Legal Esprit, bred and raced by Bill Andrews, who I'm pretty sure was there yesterday. Matty Wishart had the ride for Ducky Baker. And uh, talk about, uh, uh, as I said in the call, a beauty. Five wins from six starts. Yeah, and wouldn't you have loved to have been on in January in an 800-metre maiden at Warwick? Uh, when this guy started $3.20, if you don't mind. <laughs> Wowee. Um, but, look, still does a lot wrong. So you'd expect there's a fair bit of upside. And just listening to the trainer post-race, um, suggesting even 12 1300 may even be better. Hasn't raced over more than 1050 yet. So definitely a, um, a nice horse to keep an eye on for the future. And as you pointed out, gee whiz, these cutest um, races at this time of year were some great cabbage. Certainly. Samurai, we've, we've mentioned him in the third. The disillusion pinched it in race four. Duplessis just slowed them down. It was like we're watching a race at Albion Park trots and sprinted home too well. Profit beaten again. Yeah, leave. Uh, I love Chris Anderson, but uh, leave me out of profit at those sort of odds. Bookies pin up. Two smoking barrels. He's furnished into a nice day. Didn't beat much, but he was strong at 2,400 metres. So Ben is doing a good job with him. Dusty Tycoon. The My Runners team were there in force, not as big as when earlier in his campaign, but there's still some diehards there, and they, they were well rewarded by being there because she was well-backed and well-ridden by Leah Kilner. 
Yeah, she was. I reckon uh, you could have heard the cheers from about three suburbs away. Uh, but uh, Benny, Benny Aaron's, I was delighted for him. I used to play cricket with Ben, believe it or not. His, his brother, Matt. Uh, I'm not quite sure which was the more talented cricketer. Um, I probably... Were you a good cricketer? Well, well you know, I was. But yeah. as a sort of 12, 13-year-old, I was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. But then sort of 14, 15, 16, sort of found girls and you know, started to have a couple of drinks when I was 16, 17. And, yeah... Like, I went from being the best cricketer around to just about the worst in very quick succession. I could reply to that, but time has beaten us this morning. Uh, we've got overtime. Archer Park's going to put more money in. Good on you, Ben. Thanks for this morning. Great to see you, and I'll join you uh, tomorrow on Press Room. Looking forward to hoping you're there as well tomorrow morning on Press Room. Looking forward to your company. But thanks for being with us on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Don't forget that website. Have a look what's for sale there archerparkracing.com.au. Have a good day. I'll see you in the morning.